Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Reviews Editor Sherman Lo, and my usual co-host Devendra Hardwar is out on well-deserved time off today. So, joining me instead is our managing editor and my boss, Terence O'Brien. <laughs> hi, T. How are you? Oh, hi, Sherlyn. How are you? Terrified that you're going to be judging me all day? No, actually, this is not our relationship. We have a no. Have a I was going to say, don't relationship. don't make this weird for everyone. You know, I got to. This is like, I, I do this every day. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk all about Google's big announcement, which is its own, very first own mobile chip called Tensor, as well as the upcoming Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro that I got to see and touch in person. We'll also have a special guest lined up to talk about that, uh, as well as some other news from Activision and other consumer tech news. If you're enjoying the show, please make sure you subscribe to the Engadget podcast on your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes because that'll help people find us. And we also broadcast this recording live every Thursday morning at about 10 a.m. Eastern on the Engadget YouTube channel. So if you're up for it, you want to come chat and hang with us and our little cool little community, come hang out with us. This week, Google announced that its very first chip will show up in the Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro later this year, and the chip is called Tensor. Uh, Joining us to discuss this, I wanted to bring on someone who's also seen the phones in person, and we're very lucky to have Lisa DeChico, Senior Tech Correspondent over at Insider. Hey, Lisa, how are you? Hey, Sherilyn, I'm good. How are you? I, I am Pleasantly surprised by what we saw at Google. And before we go too deep into it, I just want to say that, uh, Terrence, you yourself are a Pixel nerd, right? I think I think you like Pixels. I, I, I do, uh, although I was turning to you for advice as to whether or not I should be jumping ship this generation. So this this, oh, coming, this conversation is going to be a lot Coming on to the Pixel 6? Okay, so, so you're making a decision whether you should wait for the Pixel 6 and buy the Pixel 6, right? Or should I switch to iPhone? Ooh. So That's a big I'm, question. Th- <laughs> I'm, I'm using this conversation right now as research for my own purchasing decisions. So the stakes are really high for you then. Yes. I feel used a little bit, but okay. <laughs> so let's give you guys the high-level information. So Google's Tensor is its very first mobile chip. It's an ARM-based system on chip 
also known as an SOC. Uh, and really, Google hasn't shared all the details, but we do know that what Google told us anyway is that it's designed around a TPU, a tensor processing unit, hence the name. Tensor processing units are, are these like big processors they actually have in their data centers that process a lot of machine learning models. Um, and what Google's done is be able to like make it more power efficient and sort of miniaturize it to a point where they can put it on an SOC. Uh, and we also know that there's an ISP. Uh, Google said that it's been able to re-architect some of the memory architecture and hard code uh, I believe, machine learning onto some of the uh, hardware itself. Lisa, does that line up, you think, with what what uh, what Google told you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the one thing that was really clear when we saw these phones, and really, you know, this wasn't a full unveil. It was more like a, a preview, I guess, is the best word for mm -hmm. it. Um, but the, the big thing is that you know, these, this chip was really designed around AI and machine learning. That yeah. is definitely the big takeaway. Um, what that means for like the average person that's going to buy a pixel. I think, you know, we, we got a little taste of that, but I think that's going to be the really big question that Google has to answer. I agree. Right. They can't give you details yet on, I asked a lot of like random chip nerd questions that I don't know that they were expecting. I was like, so uh, what's your, uh, what's your, like thermal output and what's like the uh battery life and those were things that they weren't really going to discuss um I don't I don't even know and and for me the big question is like this is who who did you make this with right it's something that Google didn't say and didn't answer and Terrence as he was editing my article too was like we gotta grill them harder on this and I was like damn it T can't you just relax <laughs> I'm tired you you know that I'm physically incapable of that <laughs> no you're not you're not capable of chilling. But T, like, what was your outstanding question? Like, I, I personally think that Google may be kind of unproven, right, as a manufacturer. And this is a question I got a lot after the article went live, too, is how are you going to trust Google? I'm not one to usually be the one asking this on the show because it's usually Davindra that's like, how can you trust Google? But, but Terrence, is that, like, is that a concern for you? Oh, 100%. I mean, look, uh, Google has a long history of kind of starting things and entering new markets mm -hmm. where it's not proven and then kind of realizing it was harder than it was thought it was going to be and <laughs> bailing very quickly. Um, do I think they're going to do that here? Not necessarily, but it's something that's always in the back of my mind is how long is Google in this particular game for? Mm -hmm. And yeah, they're completely unproven uh, other than building these very specialized processors for their data centers, like you said. And yeah, I don't know. They have they have no experience building ARM chips. They have very little experience in building chips for consumer purposes at all. Would it make you feel better if in the fall they announced that they had co-designed this with, say, Samsung? I mean, for sure. But also, uh, I think me and you had a conversation the other day, Shalyn, that in in the U.S. at least, Samsung still is somewhat unproven quantity, too, when it comes to uh, mm -hmm. chip manufacturing, or at least not manufacturing, but design. Because Samsung has built plenty of chips for companies like Apple previously, but their own in-house design silicon is very hard to come by in the U.S. Exynos processors are not in American phones. Yeah, exactly. And even when they did make Exynos variants of their flagships, those weren't very well received. I think yeah. people in the other parts of the world always felt they got the short stick when it came to Exynos models of 
Samsung phones. Lisa, do you have similar concerns? Yeah, I do. And it's not even just, you know, all the things that Terrence just said, you know, are absolutely right. But I also think, look at Google's direction with the Pixel in general, and you can see how kind of inconsistent it's been. I mean, the first generation Pixel was all about really being this big flagship challenger to Apple and Samsung. Mm. And the second generation was kind of like that too. And then once you get to like past the three, they're like, oh, we're going to kind of take this in a different direction and be like more budget oriented and really lean into, you know, the Pixel 3a did better than we probably thought it would. And that's kind of, I think, what you saw reflected in in the last generation. Um, And, you know, they also just put technology that no one needed really in the Pixel 4, which which was, you know, challenging. So I feel like they've been all over the place in terms of the direction that they want to take with their smartphones. And um, I I mean, now it seems they're swinging back in the other direction, their original vision for the Pixel. So uh, I kind of just want them to pick a direction and, and stick with it because I feel like it's going to be hard <laughs> for them to really make a dent in the market and appeal to people if like there's no consistency from like one generation to the next in that sense. So I think you bring up a really good point, Lisa, which is that like, yes, Google's direction with the Pixel has been a little confused lately, but I feel like maybe in the last two or three years, Google's realized that its strength really is AI. And I feel like this is the uh, result of them coming to that realization. Because with the 4A, we saw that they were able to use algorithms to make it fly faster on, um, you know, lower level chipset and still feel like a flagship level performance. And then we've got like the camera stuff, we've got duplex, call screening, all of that AI stuff that Google's really rolled out. So it feels like I mean, what Rick Osterloh, we were able to interview Rick Osterloh, and he said, um, you know, we see this as the Google phone, and this has been in the making for like four or five years. So I don't know. To me, it feels like, yes, they're they're nearing that whole like vision where they're coming, they're finally crystallizing, right? Their their goals. I don't know, like, if it's self-actualization for them, but it's something like that. Um, Meanwhile... You're also right to point out that their market share is so low, like woefully, embarrassingly low, like something like one point two percent. Yeah, and it's dom- like otherwise dominated by iPhones and Galaxy phones. Like no one else has a chance to place. So, like to Terence's point, if this continues and if states still don't have market share, and if their other bets division still makes a loss every year, they might not continue to. I don't know. I I would be very sad if they made no more Pixel phones from now on i can't see that happening i can't see them bailing on the pixel 100 percent. okay google's Good. always gonna have to have a uh a device that shows what their vision of android is so they're gonna have a phone that's like a canvas for like the, the their vision of android and you know they're still gonna keep some features exclusive to the pixel line we we're it sounds like we're already veering into talking about the pixel so I don't know if you like there were any more thoughts you had about Tensor or, or you know, Lisa, you wanted to like add anything before we move on to just really going ham on talking about the Pixel 6. Yeah, actually, I think in one of the biggest things that stood out to me about Tensor, uh, you know, kind of in line mm-hmm. with what we were just talking about, uh, about like this is really how Google is trying to make its smartphones stand out from the competition is by, you know, right. kind of taking a page from Apple's playbook in that, you know, we're going to design mm-hmm. all of these exclusive features that you can only get on Pixel phones. And we're starting to see that a little bit with things like call screening and whatnot. But I think that's the real reason, obviously, why Google is making its own processor so that it can do that, um, so that it can, you know, make 
features that you can't get elsewhere. And uh, yeah, to me, it felt very like Apple-like in that sense where, you know, uh, on iPhones, you need to have Apple's, you know, certain co-processors to access certain features. And, you know, we, we see that with the Apple Watch too. And it's a really important part of their strategy. And I think Google is definitely uh, going deep on that same direction. I mean, like, so some of the features you're talking about where they require certain, like, components to run, I think this is a great way to just kind of tell people what we saw on the Pixel 6, which is some of the features that Tensor enables. So it sounds like these features, by the way, will not be available on something that doesn't have a TPU, a Tensor uh, chip, um, including one where uh, Android's live caption tool. I, I paused because there was live transcribe and live caption. And live caption is the one where, you know, it can provide subtitles for everything that's playing on your phone's audio system. So that's great for anyone that's hard of hearing. Um, and I, I personally love it. So anyway, with Tensor on the Pixel 6, they'll be able to not only uh, caption, but like at the same time, translate a foreign language for you. So like you're watching something in French or it's language that you don't know, you can opt for the um, translate option in live caption as well, which uh, I would be interested to see if they're able to bring this to other Pixel phones. But again, sounds like something that is only achievable because Tensor has the like TPU prowess to be able to do all of that ML on device because live caption is an on-device tool. Um, the other stuff was photography. I think this is the the focus here really of the Pixel 6 is the photography. Before we get there, let's talk about that design because like the whole reason they have this huge camera bar at the back is because they're like, we're really focusing on photography, focusing on photography, get it? Um, <laughs> we want it to be a talking point. That's what they said. <laughs> Isn't it always a talking point on the Pixel though? Haven't they focused on photography for like Five years. They were, yeah, they did say something like, uh, "We've known, we've come to be known for it." I guess now they're just going whole hog, and they're like, "Yes, we're slapping a bar on it." Um, I think there's I just no like, way. Yeah, there's no way yeah. to like make the camera look nice in a subtle way. I mean, we've seen that on the latest iPhones and the latest Samsung Galaxy phones. Like, they all kind of take a different approach to what like the camera module looks like. I do kind of like it. Um, you know, I, I think it's better than the bump on the iPhone, honestly. Like, I think it, it looks better. I mean, sure. it, it doesn't wobble. Did they do the uh, wobble demonstration for you, Lisa? Where, like, uh, if you put it on a table, it doesn't wobble from side to side? No, they, they didn't do that demo for me. It, <laughs> our conversation focused more on... You know, the demos of showing what Tensor can do and then some like forward looking stuff, which, you know, we can talk about a, a bit later if we have time yeah. for it. T, what do you feel? I feel like you're you're you seem like you like the design. Yeah, I mean, I'm the hump is weird, but I'm OK with it. I appreciate that it doesn't rock. I'm 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 with you, Lisa, the, the hump, the like bump thing on the iPhone stuff. It's it's weird looking. Uh, it's very inconveniently designed always. I like that they integrated this into the design. I like the mm -hmm. two-tone thing. Uh, I'm a big mm -hmm. fan of any phone that gets away from the kind of like drab, black, silver kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So give me all the colors. I would have liked brighter, weirder colors, if anything. I, 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 think, the <laughs> I, I think the Pixel 6. Now, there are two lines uh, for, for people who are not all caught up. There are two lines, the Pixel 6 and the Pixel 6 Pro. The Pixel 6 does come in three colors one is like a black on black one is um like a or like a red 
peachy red on a peachy pastel light orange thing. And then one is like a lime green on light blue. So those are very googly as of the last two or three pixels, you know, to be so colorful, um, which is nicer than just introducing one new color per year, right? With the Pixel 5, we got this green thing that was almost boring. And then I think the three was when they did almost pink or barely pink and i went nuts for yeah, it or not pink or um, something like that i think or, like, yeah they always have these like fun silly names absolutely and they like they were like oh we have fun with it i'm like you sure do um and <laughs> i i think the six itself has the like colorful options the six pro which by the way will have um and we'll get into the camera details in a bit but it has an extra camera um has a black on black model, a silvery gray model, and then the orange, like light orange. I don't even know what to call that color. It's almost like a gold. I was going to say, gold. it's kind of yeah. goldish. That should be the name yeah. of the color it, then. Kind of gold. gold. very googly. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. They, they might listen to this podcast and choose <laughs> that name. Um, but like what I said, right, the differences between the two don't stop at color. I, what we know so far is that the cameras are different. So... Again, Google didn't share specifics. They want to wait till the launch, but we've got a sharper main camera and with a bigger sensor that altogether lets in up to 150% more light, according to Google. And then uh, paired with a ultra-wide uh, sensor. And on the Pro, you get an extra telephoto that can go up to four times optical zoom. So these are so it's a triple camera system on the Pro and like just a dual on the uh, main or the regular Pixel 6. And like they both will be upgraded, right? At least to let in more light. Does that line up with what you heard, Lisa? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's exactly what I heard as well. And you know, what's interesting here too is, in, you know, adding that third camera lens is kind of a departure for Google because they've always said like, yeah. we, we don't need that because we do so much computational photography. Yeah. And now they have a chip that's designed for computational photography, among other things. And now they're right. adding that third lens. So uh, I don't know, yeah. it's going to be interesting, but I thought that was a uh, an interesting direction to take for sure. I didn't even think about that. That was like definitely a very good point. Uh, one last difference between the two before I want to tell you what the Pixel 6s can do is uh, obviously the Pro is a little bit bigger than the regular. If I, I think the rumors are the screens are 6.4 and 6.7 inch in size, but obviously that's not official info from Google. That's just the rumors. It felt big. It felt like a Note 20 in my hand, the Pro. It actually, those, those are... Like it was yeah, those are the actual sizes. I I asked Google afterwards and uh yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so those are the actual sizes and yeah, I mean it they felt really big to be honest. The first my first impression when I saw them was wow, this feels like a Samsung Galaxy phone almost, like yes. just the way that it looks. Uh the camera bar makes it stand out a bit, of course, but yeah. otherwise like the design language, uh even the way like the screen is slightly curved on the Pro model, yep. I was like, wow, okay, they're really going after Samsung with this phone. Like it's very very clear. Do you hate that T that they're going sort of like taking a Samsung approach to the design? A, a little bit. I don't love Samsung's <laughs> designs usually. Uh yeah. I haven't seen the the new pixels in person so i can't say for sure how much i'm gonna love right. or hate the the look uh, i will say i yeah. am concerned about those sizes though that those are 6.7 inches is huge huge yeah for a pixel I, I mean and i also will say it feels heavier than than the existing pixels so that that's more of my concern sorry go ahead t now, i was gonna say even 6.4 inches like that's a big phone that's that's usually like i feel like that was what the pixel 3 xl was was like that size yeah. i think that was the larger of the two so yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Nah. Man. This is one of the things that has me on the fence about whether I'm going to stay stay in the Pixel family. <laughs> yeah. So, so Google has to win us over for those of us who don't want the bigger. Let's to use a scale that has been previously used on this show, a honkster of a phone, um, not a chonkster yet, because those are definitely there's bigger phones out there. But these are honksters, right? They have to win you over, and one of the big things that they're pushing is photography, computational photography. And they showed us a couple of demos and I would love to hear if you were impressed by them, Lisa, but uh, very quickly for our, our audience. Um, one is in photos where if you have a very hyper, like I say hyperactive a lot, but I don't mean to like misdiagnose anyone. So I'm just gonna say moving, a fast moving subject. So a cat, a dog, well, cats don't move that. Anyway, cat, dog, uh, <laughs> definitely not a turtle, <laughs> children. <laughs> I don't know about cats anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> you're, the Pixel 6 is supposed to really make that easier by correcting blurry images. It looks like what it's able to do. And it's, uh, I think, in processing. So not like in real time through your viewfinder of your subjects moving your studio and see their face still. It's like a after the fact thing. But they're going to use a combination of... Uh, the fact that the two cameras will take pictures at different exposures, the main one will take regular and then the, the other will take additional at faster shutter speeds, um, as well as sort of detect and look out for how your phone's moving. So basically sensors shift on DSLRs and stuff like that um, to compensate for XY movement, for like movement sideways or, or vertically, and then calculate how to correct that picture. So that's one of the ways, and it felt like an obvious way almost, just because that's how a lot of cameras work nowadays not on phones necessarily uh, and then the other was just like being able to apply computational things like hdr net onto video um, which is obviously a very taxing process that would drain a lot of battery power but they were able to do that to be clear we didn't use the pixel 6s i didn't use a pixel 6 at the uh meeting to shoot and test this out what happened was google showed us samples that they had on their phone or they had on a laptop somewhere so uh not 100% sure if these weren't pre-recorded somewhere else uh, is what I'm trying to say. But Lisa, were were you impressed and did you see anything else? Yeah, I mean, I saw exactly what you saw, Sherilyn. And it, it certainly mm. was impressive. But to your point, it's hard to get excited about something until I use it myself, to be honest, because every yeah. demo is going to look nice or else they wouldn't be using it as a demo, you know? Right. And I yeah. think there's also something different about the, the impact that it makes when you're using it yourself and you find yourself like really excited about something that you're like, oh my gosh, like I have this problem all the yeah. time when I take photos and now this just works. So like it, it doesn't hit as much when you're just looking at a demo. Um, but I mean, it did mm -hmm. look impressive. Like the HDR looked great. Um, you know, I'm sure you saw the same demo. It was video footage of uh, shot on the Pixel 6 alongside the mm -hmm. same footage on the iPhone 12 Pro and the Pixel mm -hmm. 5. And, you know, the Pixel 6 definitely looked better. I thought it had a good combination of making the colors really bold without oversaturating mm -hmm. them and making them look unrealistic like some phones do. Mm -hmm. um, but again, like I'm I'm reserving any any judgment until we actually use them because it really is just hard to tell from a demo alone. One more change that Google made too from the Pixel 5 that I forgot to mention is they moved the selfie camera up front from the side to the middle of the screen. Uh don't know if that's a huge, it's going to make a huge difference to my photos, but as someone who takes about a hundred selfies a day, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I think, yeah. Terrence, do you, were you sort of, 
expecting more i think from these demos like did you want to see if they could tensor could change more in the photography game no i i mean i guess for me photography seemed like a place that google had kind of figured out what it was doing the video demo specifically sounds kind of nice uh but I was looking for them to leverage the machine learning more in different places because I feel like they've already shown they figured it out on the imaging side. They've been using machine learning to deliver incredible photo results for years with, you know, uh, objectively lesser hardware. So I've the the live captioning thing was something that was more kind of caught my eye. Um, I'd kind of like to see them put that it to work with making like the assistant more useful or something or yeah. uh, whatever the, the home feed thing that constantly serves up garbage. I don't mm. want to read. Um, <laughs> that's yes, where I'd agree. like to see it. Oh man. Uh, we, we're going to find out more and there's obviously a lot more we don't know. And I'm going to go over that in a little bit, but I so agree with you, Terrence, the discover feed is garbage. One time, I, I don't know why I was interested in the Screen Actors Guild or something they thought uh, probably awards season. And they served me a, a, an article about the definition of the word sag. It means to droop, you know? So, yeah, great great job there, Google. Maybe maybe apply your machine learning and learn a little there. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, I will also say that uh, Google did say it, it did overhaul its speech recognition with Tensor and it's using a new API called Speech on Device API, um, Soda. Um, so we're going to see improvements in, in voice tools as well. We also saw a demo of this keyboard um, well, dictation uh, tool where now you're going to be able to use hot words like send and clear to do those things. So like, blah, blah, T uh, text Lisa, I'm on my way. Or like, no, sorry, hit the microphone button on Gboard. Say, hey, Lisa, looking forward to you coming uh, on our show. And then send. And then it would just send. And it did that. That that was a demo we did see happen live on the Pixel 6, which is cool. Um, yeah. I mean, it, I don't know if Lisa, you're excited for that. I, I do think it's cool. And it's clear that Google is leaning into the areas where it's already really strong to begin with, with Tensor, mm. like photography and, and speech recognition. Um, but I don't know. I feel like, yes, it's more accurate and it's faster, but you, we've been able to send text messages like with our voice for years. And <laughs> right. I even asked, I was like, this is cool, but why wouldn't I just ask the assistant to send that message for me instead of like opening the Android messages app, like, you know, half typing, half talking, because he showed that too. And that was pretty cool. But yeah. I just, yep. I don't know. I, I thought it was a cool demo, but not the most interesting application for that technology, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I I feel like we're going to have to wait till the launch in the fall, which is, I'm guessing, October. I don't think they've set an actual date yet to learn more. Um, To be clear, there's also other stuff that we don't know. For example, with Tensor, uh, a question that I got online, uh, and I want to quote the correct person, uh, I believe it is... D-Man, uh, one of our regulars, who asked, what is the SOC's modem? Um, so basically, yeah, what is the 5G situation going to be like? Uh, I asked what 5G radio they wanna, they're want they going to use with this, and they couldn't answer. They basically were like, well, well we're definitely going to support all the bands in the U.S. And I was like, so is it a Qualcomm radio? Because like, there's not really any other brand in the U.S. And it was just like, well, there's a number of manufacturers that can make this type chip 
nowadays. So cool. So anyway, that's one thing we don't know. We're gonna have to wait till the launch to learn. Um, you know, processor cores, like which design we got in a question from Jedi Mind Trick on you, uh, aka also uh, whose name is Daniel. Uh, what are the odds that the tensor, apart from the tensor TPU, uh, what you know, what are the odds that the rest of the chip, say the CPU and GPU, is just standard ARM design Cortex X1, A78 performance cores, A55 efficiency cores, and the Mali GPU? Uh, yeah, we don't know which GPU designs and CPU designs they're using yet, how many cores, what the clock speeds are. Uh, I don't know. Did they tell you, Lisa? I, they didn't tell me. No, they didn't tell me any yeah. like of the details about like the actual like design and different components of the chip. That's definitely a big question. We're we're gonna have to wait till the fall to find out. Uh, but speaking of listener questions, I also wanted to acknowledge uh, some of these. So I. Uh, John T, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. It looks like it could be giant with a big T at the end. Uh, a good question that a few people also ask, will these chips make it into other devices like Chromebooks? Like somewhat, some other, I can't think of other <laughs> devices that Google makes besides Chromebooks. I don't know. Uh, what do you think, T? Would, would, would this make sense for Google to put this in a Chromebook, the Tensor chip? I mean, I... I don't know. I'm I'm on the fence about that one. I think it would make sense if only because we've seen the the push on the like laptop front towards ARM yeah. cores anyway. And if yeah. Google can move Chromebook Chromebooks off of Intel hardware and start building something that's really capable that they can control on their own chips, great for them. Mm. Uh but again, I think we need to see how it plays out on the phones before we start getting too excited yeah. about them building Chromebooks with it. I think, I mean, I could see it. Like, of course, I don't have any knowledge of whether this is actually going to happen or not. But if you think about like the trajectory that laptops are taking, like to Terrence's point, um, you know, they could use a lot of improvement when it comes to like cameras for one. Like I know we're all using webcams today because the cameras mm -hmm. on most laptops are just terrible. So if that's something that Google could solve with computational photography in a Chromebook down the line, like that would be awesome. And also speech recognition, you know, isn't huge on laptops. At least I don't really personally use it, but for the past few years, companies have been pushing it at least. Like they want every laptop yeah. to have, you know, Alexa or Google Assistant and become kind of like the centerpiece of your room in addition to just being the device that you work on. So I, I could see that happening. Uh, do I know if it's going to happen? Of course not, but it would be cool to see. Yeah, I, that's something we'll, we'll have to wait beyond, I think, the fall launch to, to hear more about. Uh, and then I'll leave us with this last thought on all the Pixel stuff, which is, uh, Twitter user Big Audio uh, replied about the article, and Big Audio expressed concerns over privacy. Uh, I think you know, I think Big Audio was very concerned that you know Google already has so much of our information, and SOC will they build like a backdoor into the chip to send you know Google all this information? While I think some of that is not going to happen, there are concerns, right? Google hasn't always been the best player when it comes to privacy and security are either of you concerned about google with tensor just you know introducing more ways to get your information i don't know lisa i mean it's always a concern and i think you know as people like us that review these devices all the time it's definitely something that i feel like we need to like look out for and really dig into mm -hmm. when we're you know trying out these new things for the first time uh i don't know my opinion is that 
if you're already a Google user and you use <laughs> Chrome every day, I, I don't, or use the Google Assistant, I don't think it's going to be that different, to be honest. But right. but I don't know. Like Google knows. I don't know. Every time they introduce a new feature, they're able to kind of connect the dots between like my data more. Like even just some of the stuff they right. showed at Google I/O about detecting patterns in your photos. Like that's kind of cool. Oh but also like I don't know. Google knows that I have a lot of. I don't, I don't know. I can't think of a good example. But you know what I mean? Like every new feature they yeah. introduce is more of them connecting the, the dots, I guess, which is yeah. one way to think about it. Yeah. T? I'm not particularly concerned about Tensor, like as a chip, being <laughs> more of a danger to my privacy and security uh, from Google. Because, yeah, they already have so right. much information. And I'm not going to say that I'm not worried about like Google having too much of my information. This is one right. of the reasons that I'm contemplating jumping ship. Uh, at this oh, point, no. uh, b- yeah. because, you know, Apple's business isn't collecting my data and selling it. They want to sell me hardware. Um, I have my mm. other reasons for not wanting to go to Apple. But, you know, <laughs> my choices aren't good here. But, yeah, no, I, Tensor <laughs> specifically doesn't cause me any concern. Google as an entity causes me concern. Like you said, Lisa, the, the photo thing creeps me out. Oh. That Google yeah. is able to that Google is able to recognize uh, photos of my child over the course of several years as he changes, mm. like, pretty dramatically. You know, newborn child doesn't look anything like four-year-old child, but Google knows. And that yeah. is <laughs> bizarre and upsetting to me. Yeah. We'll have to wait till the fall, I think, to see more about what Google is introducing with the Pixel 6 and 6 Pro and Tensor. Uh, but yeah, I think for now, we've we've really exhausted all we know uh, anyway, thanks for joining us to chat all about this, Lisa. Of course. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. <laughs> Where can people find your work online and, and find you online? Yeah, absolutely. So if you go to insider.com and click on the reviews tab, that's where a lot of my work is. Um, you can also mm-hmm. find me on the tech page as well. Uh, so either page, but yeah, insider.com is where to find it. Fantastic. Thanks again for joining us today, Lisa. We'll, we'll, we hope to have you back again. Yeah, absolutely. would love to. Thanks again, guys. Moving on to some other news, there were some updates this week to the ongoing Activision uh, Blizzard case that we were talking about last episode. I believe there is a second suit. T, what can you tell us about this? So, yeah, as if it wasn't enough that Activision was the subject of one lawsuit and then its Mm. president stepped down. Now it's being sued by uh, Rosen Law, which filed a class action suit on behalf of investors who happen to trade Activision stocks and securities, I guess, um, for misrepresenting the corporate culture, basically. it's Uh This is the same firm that uh, sued, oh, who was it? Hang on, I gotta- CD Projekt Red. CD Projekt Red uh, following the launch of Cyberpunk 2077. Um, so it, it's accusing them of intentionally failing to disclose ongoing problems with sexual harassment and discrimination and says that the company basically put itself at risk of like intense legal scrutiny and like regulatory yeah. enforcement. So uh, the suit names the CEO, uh, Bobby Kotick, as well as several other execs as defendants and is looking mm. to recover financial damages. It's a class action suit, so we'll see how that goes. These are always, like, complicated situations that take a very, very long time to play out. 
So yeah. I don't know. Is this like something worth suing company over? Like, is it not like I this is something I've not really heard of happen a lot. Right. Like, oh, this like does every big company that like, you know, gets exposed for bad behavior, get a suit like this. I know CD Projekt Red apparently was sued over, you know, a disastrous launcher of cyberpunk. Like, is that a worthy, like, thing to sue someone over? Can I just sue you next time, Terrence? Like, hey, you don't have your life in order and it affected me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I, I I, guess I, I understand where you're coming from. It's, it's a <laughs> very weird thing uh, at face value to sue a company for. Yeah. Like, to sue on behalf of investors for saying, like, your company kind of was like a frat house. Um, right. But at the same time, I'm like, whatever tools at our disposable, at disposal to discourage yeah. companies from being like frat houses, have at right. it. Um, right. <laughs> so, right. I don't know. I, I don't know enough about the law around this stuff to really right. comment uh, in any sort of authoritative way. Like, to be frank, like, I don't know... Yeah. What the rules and laws are around disclosure when it comes to mm -hmm. uh, investor relations, like investor relations when it comes specifically, though, to like internal investigations and complaints about sexual harassment and workplace conditions and stuff. Right. You know, it's. It's one thing when it's an external investigation, like obviously you have to disclose certain things if the SEC right. comes after you, but right. somebody files a complaint to H.R., that they've been uh, sexually discriminated, what are the rules around that in, in terms of disclosure for your investors? And I don't know. Um, and I can yeah. see how that might be sort of weird gray area because if you're yeah. – every time somebody comes to HR with a complaint, you're forced to like send out a letter to every stockholder. Um, and if you're a company like Activision, that's a lot of stockholders mm -hmm. um, that you know can induce panic and induce sell-offs. Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then we're also getting into the realm of like, is stockholder capitalism really the best way to be doing business? But that's a different podcast. Ooh, we could, we could, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so we could go talk to TechCrunch about that <laughs> another time. Uh, I, it, it did sound a little bit like we were veering into like differences between civil and criminal suits yep. because like civil too, like almost sounds like you could anything is fair game almost. And then criminal, you really have to have broken the law, it feels like. So like. And, and criminal is where, you know, it feels like more of a punishment for bad behavior. Whereas like in civil, it's also punishment for bad behavior, but it starts to feel like petty, especially when it gets to like lower courts and like, you know, people suing their neighbors for no reason. Yeah. Anyway. I, uh, I was going to say, no matter what, it's it's a class action suit. Anybody who bought yep. stock or yep. even like, even if they didn't know it, ended up with stock between... August 4th of 2016 and July 27th of 2021 would be eligible mm. should this suit uh, settle to get a reward from mm. it. So if you go look at your your mutual funds or whatever, and if you just happen to have Activision stock, you could be in for $4.21 seven years down the road. Congratulations. Wow. I mean, that's like a Taco Bell thing. Yeah, that's that's not even a combo meal at Taco Bell. Oh, no. Oh no! Oh well. Uh, was there anything else that happened at Activision with uh, with everything that's going on? Well, we we I did mention at the top, the top of that that the the CEO or the president I don't actually think it's the CEO uh, stepped down okay. um, mm. this week. I want to say Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Uh, obviously, he is the 
subject of the lawsuit uh, around just sexual mm-hmm. discrimination and sexual harassment that kind of exploded over these last couple of weeks. Um, double checking his name, J. Allen Brack. I didn't want to screw that right. up because um, as we established before, I'm not Activision. I'm not the beat reporter there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, he's he's, quote, stepping down from his role. Um, and mm. Jen O'Neill and Mike Barra, uh, formerly mm. an Xbox exec, are taking over as kind of co-leaders. Um, the company didn't really say much about it. You know, not surprisingly, they're kind of like he's stepping mm-hmm. aside and we're going to move forward and and we'll see what happens. He's the one that's got to take the fall, maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, going on. He, he should take the fall, probably. But also, yeah. more people should probably take the fall. <laughs> Shouldn't mm-hmm. be alone it's in not, that. It's not just one person. Yeah, yeah. This is this felt systemic. Well, anyway, this is clearly an ongoing case. We're going to keep, you know, reporting any major updates. Um, and you know, we've got an article I think by Jess Condit this week on Engadget.com, if not at least a video about just you know, how gaming culture has sort of always been like this. And this is just another example of it. So be sure to check that out. Uh, Speaking of tricky, like laws and and law cases, and this is just a quick mention, because I think it was just worth pointing out that the national or a national labor relations board officer has recommended uh, that Amazon broke U.S. labor law. So it's recommending that the workers at a an Alabama warehouse hold a new election. Um, it's not a proper ruling as a preliminary ruling, but it's about unionizing. It's about it's about workers giving workers a chance to have a new election on whether they want to join the RWDSU, which is a retail, wholesale, and department store union, uh, because. In April, workers at that fulfillment center, they voted against unionization, but the margin was like more than two to one. Yeah. Um, so it, I, I don't know if like a re-election or a re-vote will, will really change things, but I think the main takeaway here is that there were labor uh, laws that were violated. Yeah, the, the, um, the Bessemer uh, fulfillment center was kind of at the center of a lot of the stuff flying around about how Amazon treats its employees largely because it Mm. was this first real big test of unionizing over there. And I know there's still going to be a continued push to get warehouses and fulfillment centers and drivers uh, working Mm -hmm. for Amazon uh, organized and into the unions. And I think you're right. Uh, It is it going to change the outcome? Probably not because it was shot down by a a margin of almost two to one. But I do think also that, this is kind of an important recognition of what everybody was kind of saying all along, which is that Amazon wasn't really playing fair. Um, right. And it was really, if not directly violating uh, the law, which, you know, we can't say for sure it was because right. that's this isn't a final decision. It was at least violating the spirit of the law, um, which right. is almost as important. I, I, I will say this, and this is, probably a much bigger conversation. This seems like a weird place to test your efforts to unionize (laughs) uh, an Amazon fulfillment center. Um, Bessemer, Alabama, I'm sure it's a very nice place to live. I'm sure, you know, the people of Alabama love their uh, having safe jobs with reliable wages. But Alabama isn't exactly known for like 
being a bastion of organized labor or liberalism mm-hmm. or anything like that. So if you're going to push to unionize a, uh, a a warehouse in Amazon, maybe maybe start someplace else. Uh, we we have a fulfillment center here on Staten Island in New York. I bet they'd be we a little bit more Jersey. a little bit more on board. <laughs> just just saying. <laughs> You just want you just want to get the 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 people who are in your neighborhood Amazon fulfillment center unionized. Yeah, no, 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 one hundred percent, I do. <laughs> I know people who work there. It's a terrible place. Moving on from law and ongoing cases and and news related to that to more hard gadget news because after all, we are in gadget. Um, <laughs> this week, Google. Uh, didn't just show off the tensor. There was also uh, new Nest cameras and doorbells. Uh, this is four new devices that Google Nest unveiled. Uh, and the standout, I think, the highlight of of this is that there is a the new doorbell, which is uh, not the Hello, but the new Nest doorbell, um, runs on battery power, as does the new Nest Cam, which is uh, you know available for use in both indoor and outdoor situations. So uh, these two, the battery-powered devices, are going to be available soon, I believe August 27th or 24th. And the other two products, uh, a Nest Cam with a floodlight and a indoor wired Nest Cam, uh, they're both going to be available a little later in the year. So, I mean, I don't know about UT, do you use a bunch of security cameras for your home no smart doorbell nope i don't have a smart doorbell i do not trust them uh i do i do have a security camera um Mm -hmm. i usually like i only have it because i got it for free with my security system i didn't like buy it on purpose um and it has a physical shutter which is the only reason that i feel Mm. comfortable with it at all uh what brand is it uh the simply safe Ah, okay. So it's got a physical shutter I mean, and no microphone, and I'm like, fine. Right. I okay, cool. I yeah, I I, I like the idea of a security camera. I think that I, I I adore the added security. I I feel like it gives me peace of mind when I have to leave my home. Right. I have one pointing at my door, or whatever. Um, I have but, a dog. That's that's my security. Yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> There you go. You leave your dog at home when you go. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, where, that's where pets belong. I guess. I don't know. They're, if you're not at home for too long, you're going to need someone to go feed it and you have someone to come dog sit or something. Um, anyway, <laughs> the <laughs> if you like a new Nest doorbell or a new Nest camera, the battery power version is just like convenient, you know. Um, what I do like though about the new Nest devices is that they come with uh, onboard storage that can help you in times of internet outage, power outage. So just in case uh, your router breaks or something, you'll still be able to ha- get, you know, alerts and recorded video, recorded events uh, on board. Um, and then, you know, Obviously, one of the big things I've personally felt was an issue with all these security systems or security camera um, products is that you also had to sign up for like 24-hour recording or like 24-hour playback, that sort of thing. Like it's this additional fee that you have to keep paying and I don't like it. Um, So what Google's done with this new update is also to expand uh, what it covers with the free tier of service. So basically, when you sign up, for Nest Aware, and there's Nest Aware and Nest Aware Plus. Uh, when you get 
Nestleware that's like $6 a month. Nestleware Plus gets you like all the top features for $12 a month. Um, you know, you'll get like a 30-day event video history. You get familiar face detection, which is one of the features that Google has. Um, and then, you know, with Plus, you get additional sound sensing emergency. So like, you know, the more bonus AI-based features. Uh, but the free uh, tier, at least you get like, the free tier, do they just still collect your data to improve their AI, but don't give you any of the Dang. benefits? Is that it? Pro, <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> Damn, bro. At the free tier, you now get like up to three hours of event video history. Um, not a lot, I guess, but I think that's like three hours of recorded video. So say nothing happens in your house for 24 hours, there's no recorded video, right? So like as, as long as things happen. So that's still a significant amount of time to have for free. Um, and then everything is powered by the Google Home app now. So that's nice. These things are also like a new design. So hey, if you're into smart homes, if you're, you know, into a new smart doorbell that, let, that you can watch from your phone, these camera feeds that a lot of people are using to look at porch pirates, which is a really good use case for these things. There's new options here. So go to Engadget.com. Our article up there with all the, de the details is up. And then I love to just talk about the weird gadgets that we hear about all the time. Terrence, did you know that Amazon has made a $55 soap dispenser that's kind of smart because it'll, uh, I guess, sing a song for 20 seconds to make sure you're washing your hands for long enough? So, so to be clear, it will not sing a song. It'll, it has a light okay. display that'll count down for 20 seconds. But but if you also if you, have an Alexa device, right. if you have a, one of their Echoes, then it'll the Echo will sing a song in sync with the soap dispenser light countdown. Oh, Lord. Why, 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 why? Oh, my God. I can't even deal with this, sir. But, like, okay. I mean, like, what? One and a half years into the pandemic, now it's like, okay, we're going to... We're going to do a smart soap dispenser. Is it at least hands-free? I can't tell. Um, I but it believe works with it is. Alexa? I believe it right. is hands-free. Hands I'd have to double check. It's good. I guess now you can tell Alexa, Alexa, dispense soap. I don't... You, you, you know... Oh, oh, my Alexa just... Uh, sorry, babe. <laughs> hey, hey, hun. Chill. Um... <laughs> But yeah, there there you go. Uh, if you ever wanted a $55 soap dispenser that isn't simple human that works with Amazon's assistant, here's an option. Um, yeah, another fun thing that is, I, I find very cute. I don't know how you think about this tea. Um, a new Tamagotchi, <laughs> but an R2-D2 Tamagotchi. So Disney and Bandai or Bondi teamed up to bring R2-D2 to Tamagotchi form. Uh, it's it's exactly like I just said it. It's yeah. available in like two <laughs> color schemes, a blue on white and a white on blue. And you basically uh, can uh, keep an R2-D2 alive. It won't poop, apparently. No. But if he sits for too long, he'll accumulate dust that you can clean away. I, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> This it, it's so cute. It is very cute. I have I have nothing bad to say about this necessarily. Whatever Tamagotchis are fine. R two D two is fine. Uh, but I will say that Chris Holt, um, one of our writers who wrote this particular story, made a really good point, which is why wouldn't they go the Mandalorian 
route and have it be the child as opposed to R2-D2. That right? would make so much more sense. This was yeah. a really bizarre choice. If you're going to make a Star Wars Tamagotchi, why R2-D2? Because it's so popular. I mean, Baby I agree Yoda that like a is... droid of all things. Yeah. Yeah. Baby Yoda is also very popular. But Baby Yoda is a newer character. I almost feel like. I was going to say, though, more current. Like, yes, newer, but more current sure. of the zeitgeist as opposed to R2-D2, which is like, that's, sure. that's your parents' Star Wars. Come on. Right. Well, but it's also me, you know, like, I mean, I, I like to think that I'm really young, but, you know, think of the Tamagotchi generation. Think of the people who actually know what a Tamagotchi is. They're, like, they're the, also you know. too young for the original Star Wars. <laughs> Just throw right. it out there. I mean, I'm, I'm of yes. the Tamagotchi generation and I was born yes, after, after the first two Star Wars came out. Sure, but I still am more familiar with R2 than I am with Baby Yoda because, yes, okay, Baby Yoda is more than the Zeitgeist, but my idea of Yoda, or or maybe they just don't want you to take care of Baby Yoda until he grows old and he starts telling you, like, Star Wars, you are not. You know, you know? You know what it is, I bet? I bet it's 100% a thing of Disney was like, we can't have people killing Baby Yoda through neglect. Mm. A, mm-hmm, a droid... Exactly powers down shuts off that's less violent yeah. uh Can't less dark whatever but right we can't have people killing baby yoda i actually 100 yeah. percent think that is it it could be that it could be multiple licenses involved with baby yoda and the grown-up yoda character i don't know who knows but anyhow if you want an r2d2 tamagotchi you can pre-order it i see a link on our article to amazon where it's available for like 20 dollars uh for pre-order and they'll be uh actually shipping or available in november on november 11th so there you go uh <laughs> let's move on to what we've been working on terrence in addition to editing my numerous numerous articles i'm so sorry about that what are you working on? No, no need to apologize, Sherlyn. It is a pleasure, and it is also literally oh my job. So uh, I got a, I had a review go up earlier this week uh, for yeah. the modal electronic sculpt synth, um, which mm-hmm. was sort of a fun and interesting, like two hundred dollar, like entry level uh, synthesizer. It's definitely worth checking out. It sounds really amazing. Um, mm-hmm. It's also, however, uh, built like a toy. And a little bit confusing, um, okay. but you know, if you're in the in the market for like uh, your first hardware synthesizer, it's not a bad choice. Um, and then coming up pretty soon, I don't I don't want to put a date on it. Uh, doing something a little bit weird and different, both for myself and for Engadget, I'm reviewing uh, mm. a a cricket machine, which, by the way, I thought was cry cut this for like years, yeah. uh, but Me apparently too. it's cricket. Um, which, if you're not familiar, is basically like a desktop craft CNC machine. So instead of carving out wood, you can carve, you can cut like paper and vinyl and stuff like that to do like stickers and iron on shirts or uh, wall art. Um, and the it will cut like very thin wood, like uh, like project board or whatever, or like balsa wood. Mm. Um, so if you ever see those. Uh, like 3D animal puzzle things that like mm. are like the really thin. You can like Red actually link things. You can cut those out on the machine and then put it together, which mm-hmm. I'm kind of intrigued by. I'm like, I'm gonna do this for my kid and see how he likes it. Um, so I don't know what that's gonna look like. Uh, but I'm kind of yeah. excited for something new and weird and different 
What's the tech angle? Jeez. I, I mean, it's a CNC machine that fits on your desk oh. and is like really, uh, like really approachable. So, you know, mm. a CNC machine is the kind of thing that normally you'd have to like go to a maker space or have mm -hmm. a work, like a woodworking shop. And there's very obtuse software that would have to run it. Um, yeah. You really need to be trained on it. This has like a really easy to use app that installs on your phone or iPad or, oh, there's an app. There or your you computer and you can import images. They have like a library of like kind of stock stuff um, that you can pull from to do like the first thing I did was print out a couple of stickers and like slapped one on my laptop. That's just like a cassette because why not? I also like <laughs> did a floppy disk and tried to see if I could use it as a stencil that didn't quite work out. So we won't bring that on camera. Um, no, but yeah, like, I don't know, I'm gonna make a t-shirt for my kid where we'll, we'll figure some, some, uh, some other stuff out. I was like contemplating building like a guitar pedal and then like using that to cut out graphics hmm. for it to put on there. Just, you know, hmm. put, just doing things, making stuff and doing things. Okay, you're getting crafty. All right. Well, meanwhile, for me, I'm getting ready for Samsung next week. Uh, people on this show know people who listen to the show a lot know that Samsung's Galaxy Unpacked event is coming up on August 11th at 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, our What to Expect article is up on Engadget.com as well as a video on our YouTube channel. Um, we basically know what to expect, foldables and wearables. So go check it out and come join us on August 11th uh, at about 9.40 a.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel because we will be doing a live stream, watch with us sort of an event. It'll be fun. I don't know if it'll be as cringe as their awesome Unpacked event, but, you know, we like to hang. We like to hang out with y'all and talk to y'all. So, uh, yeah, no, that's my life for for the next few weeks, I'm going to say. Yep, you're uh, just all Samsung all the time. It's also going to be your life, Terrence, because you're going to have to edit all of that stuff in, like, one day. Yep, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's exciting, <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, when we're not working ourselves to the bone, what what do you do for fun, Terrence? Uh, what do I do for fun? That's a really deep and question. What's your, what's your <laughs> yeah? That's oh boy, that's, I don't. You, really you're you're know. opening up a can of worms. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gross. Yeah, I. Well, I was going to say, we, we mentioned it uh, kind of briefly in passing before, but I do host a, a semi-weekly uh, community radio show on makerparkradio.nyc. Yes. That's every other Wednesday from 6 mm. to 8. So uh, this coming week, which is the 11th, will be the next episode. It's called Two Drink Minimum. Mm -hmm. It's a show primarily about beer and the beer industry. Me and my co-host, Sean Torres, who is one of the co-founders and brewers at Killsborough Brewing Company. Uh, you know, we do some tastings. We talk about styles of beer. We talk about brewing beer. I am a relatively avid home brewer, although I have not brewed anything since the pandemic started. Uh, we'll have guests on from other breweries to kind of talk about those or from within the industry to just t talk about trends and stuff like that. We'll also have other home brewers on to talk about their experience in making beer. So if you like beer mm -hmm. at all in any sort of like relatively nerdy way, you'll enjoy that. Uh, it's also an opportunity for me to voice my musical tastes on people. Um, generally, oh. it's it's a two hour show, so there's a lot of room to fill. Uh, okay. Generally, it tend that show tends towards like hip hop, R and B, and like uh, 
sort of like avant pop stuff. But also, you know, if you don't want to listen to that show and you still want to be subjected to my musical taste, <laughs> one thing I generally won't play on there because it doesn't have a place is uh, the new Backwash album, which I do think everybody should oh. go listen to. Um, and I want to pull it up because it has a very complicated name and I don't want to uh, screw it up. But uh, Backwash as in back X. Like, how do you spell yes, that? Uh, it's, it is back X wash all one word. Uh, she is mm. a rapper based out of Montreal. Um, and uh, this is here we go. Uh, Bandcamp was really dragging on me. Uh, <laughs> I lie here buried with my rings and my dresses. So she is it is very dark very aggressive the album has a lot of kind of new metal influences which is not a thing okay. i thought i would ever be in favor of but the album is great okay uh her previous album uh god has nothing to do with it leave him out of us is also amazing uh mm-hmm. that actually won the polaris prize last year which is kind of like canada's wannabe grammys um <laughs> so they're both uh available on bandcamp um, I believe God has nothing to do with this. Leave him out of it is free or pay what you want. Um, I don't mm. remember how much I lie here buried with my rings and my dresses is. But uh, yeah, I don't believe either of those are on streaming. So if you do want to hear them, you're going to have to go to Bandcamp. And by the way, Bandcamp Friday is this oh, week. Yeah. Um, so the 6th of August is Bandcamp Friday. So a really good time to go buy that album because every penny will go directly to the artist and Bandcamp doesn't take a cent. And we do not, uh, we're not sponsored by Bandcamp. We are not Terrence sponsored just by to Bandcamp. Say that. <laughs> uh, Bandcamp Friday is just like, it's, it's, it's a thing I look forward to. That is great. I can always count on you on the music recommendations tea. Um, but for for myself, I'm I don't I don't listen to music that much. I relax by watching to t- watching two TV, watching TV, playing games, whatever. Uh, this week, since Devendra is out, I wanted to. I mean, Ben, our producer, recommended I just drop my trashiest recommendations here. So uh, this week, I w- am recommending Gunpowder Milkshake on Netflix. It's not very trashy. But it is, uh, I was kind of bummed when I was watching it that the reviews weren't better, basically. And like anytime there's like a movie that's not very well reviewed, they've been just like, ah, and I'm just like, all right, fine. I'm not going to talk to you about it. But anyway, Gunpowder Milkshake is a very like highly stylized movie um, starring a whole bunch of big names. We've got um, Karen Gillen. I I hope that's uh, how you pronounce her name. I'm going to actually get... Gilliam, Karen Gilliam, Lena Hetty, Carla Gugino, y'all, I can't, Uh, (laughs) uh, Chloe Coleman from Upload, Michelle Yeoh, um, lots of, lots of big, uh, and Angela Bassett, by the way, not to forget, Um, a lot of women in this, in this film, Uh, basically Karen, I'm just going to say Karen because we're buddies is a uh, sort of an assassin for hire. And, uh, you know, then her assassin organization or her employers turn on her. So she needs help. And she uh, runs to this place called the library where they check out weapons hidden in books, basically. And it's um very loose premise. It's a very uh, almost like a tent. Ten- what's that word? Tenuous, tenuous plotline. 
um just to watch a lot of like kick-ass action basically a lot is it's kind of gory um and it's it's she's trying to protect this little girl played by chloe i um mentioned earlier chloe damn it played by chloe coleman um and you know there's just a lot of like ass kicking and she the fight scenes are so unique i don't even know how to describe it like the fight scenes are i've never seen anything like this before there's there's gore there's it's like she's there's one scene where and i don't want to spoil it for you but there's one scene where she, you you feel like she can't do anything but she somehow does take down three big bad guys so uh check it out if you just want some mind-numbing action there you go. But, uh, you know, as always, I overachieve and I have a second recommendation because, you know, Terrence knows me. Terrence knows that I always I can't I can't do just enough. I have to overdo yeah. it. So. <laughs> so when I'm not watching TV, I am scrolling Instagram, although not much nowadays. I'm really like just trying to limit that. But when I do want to see something uplifting, I've recommended a uh, baby YouTube, a baby Instagram accounts before. Uh, this time around is Hey Bella Foodie on Instagram or at Bella Foodie on TikTok. It's just this little girl and her mom, and you know she's a dip dip queen. She likes to dip her food in dips, and she's just super cute. I think what it is is like little kids at that age as they're figuring out speech and talking in complete sentences. They're just freaking adorable. But then you know. She's also eating a lot of food and her mom also shares recipes um, of what she cooks for Bella. And they're all surprisingly really easy, like just homemade wontons and homemade tonkatsu and that sort of stuff. So uh, if you are a fan of cute babies eating delicious food and you want to see that on your feed, check out <laughs> Bella Foodie on IG or at Bella Foodie on TikTok. Well, that's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you as always for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. Uh, the podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Terrence online. Terrence, where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter, I am just at Terrence O'Brien. Lots of E's, no A's. Uh, and on Instagram, underscore Terrence, underscore O'Brien, underscore because things. <laughs> okay. If you have pictures of cute babies or animals eating delicious looking foods and you don't mind sharing them you can send them my way on twitter i am at sherlyn low email us your thoughts at podcast at engadget.com leave us a review please on itunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts including spotify <laughs>